So here we are in our last week of this present series, The Fruit of the Spirit. We've had love, we've had joy, we've had peace, we've had patience, we've had kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control all during lockdown. And we've journeyed through them all and now we are at the final one, self-control, our final virtue. We're finally here. Now I used to think that it was a flow, that when Holy Spirit entered my life I would get the love the joy, the peace, and then eventually I'd progress through them all and get to self-control. So I didn't actually have to worry about self-control for ages. But I don't think that is the way it works. I think we can actually get them all, all the fruit at the same time, but they all have to grow. It may be that love is implanted and it flows from there. And after all, without love, we are just clanging bells. But we definitely have to let the fruit grow in our lives. And I think we have to let God tend and grow the fruit, which brings us to self-control. I heard about this man named Bubba. He lived way out in the country. There was a stray dog that kept showing up at his house. So his wife said, Bubba, you have to put the dog in the truck, take him out to the woods and drop him off. That's where he lives. So Bubba took him a mile down the road, dropped him off. And when he came home, the dog was walking up the driveway practically beaten back home. And this happened again and again. His wife said, Bubba, you have to take him way out, drive him around in circles, get him mixed up. So Bubba took him an hour away, crisscrossed country roads that he'd never driven before, dropped him off. Two hours later, he calls his wife from the truck. He said, did the dog come back? She said, yes, he's walking up the driveway now. He said, do me a favour, put him on the line. I need directions. So here's the problem. You're on a diet, you pick up a magazine, you turn innocently to the food section. After all you say, the pictures aren't fattening. And as you pour over every page, each picture begins to look better than the last one. You move into the kitchen because the light's better there. And after a few minutes, you begin thinking about that ice cream that's in the freezer. But you're a model of restraint. You decide that just one spoonful, well, maybe two at the most, Will do you fine and then before you know it the tub is empty and you feel so guilty does it sound familiar we're all in this struggle aren't we? your problem may be different from food but we all struggle with the area of self-control and the temptation that we have that often clouds our better judgment so our purpose today is to see david's example and how it can encourage us to take a concrete step towards gaining godly control over a problem in our lives. Self-control is the last of the nine virtues that Paul mentions in Galatians 5 verses 22 and 23, in contrast to the sins he lists in verse 19. And it's against sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery that is mentioned that Paul speaks of self-control. However, the Greek word used for self-control applies to all categories of life. So in what area of life would you like greater self-control? You know, you're not alone in this. And God is with you. And so are your trusted friends of faith. So a bit of context for this passage. Saul was anointed king of Israel, but he had been disobedient. And so David was entrusted to be king. As a result of Saul's wrath and jealousy, they were kindled every time David was near. And he tried to kill David at every opportunity. In 1 Samuel 26, 
David faces the powerful temptation of choosing between self-gratification and self-control. And his response can help us in our troubles. Let's read from 1 Samuel chapter 26. Today's reading is taken from the book of 1 Samuel, reading the whole of chapter 26. The Ziphites went to Saul at Gabeah and said, Is not David hiding on the hill of Hakalah, which faces Jesimon? So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph with his 3,000 select Israelite troops to search there for David. Saul made his camp beside the road on the hill of Hakalah, facing Jesimon, but David stayed in the wilderness. When he saw that Saul had followed him there, he sent out scouts and learned that Saul had definitely arrived. Then David set out and went to the place where Saul had camped. He saw where Saul and Abner, son of Ner, the commander of the army, had lain down. Saul was lying inside the camp, and the army camped around him. David then asked Ahimelech the Hittite and Abishiah, son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, Who will go down into the camp with me to Saul? I'll go with you, said Abishiah. So David and Abishiah went to the army by night, and there was Saul, lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishiah said to David, Today God has given your enemy into your hands, Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I won't strike him twice. But David said to Abishiah, Don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him, or his time will come and he will die or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head, and let's go. So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on top of the hill some distance away. There was a wide space between them. He called out to the army and to Abner son of Ner, Aren't you going to answer me, Abner? Abner replied, Who are you who calls to the king? David said, You're a man, aren't you? And who is like you in Israel? Why didn't you guard your lord the king? 
Someone came to destroy your Lord the King. What you have done is not good. As surely as the Lord lives, you and your men must die because you did not guard your master, the Lord's anointed. Look around you. Where are the king's spear and water jug that were near his head? Saul recognised David's voice and said, Is that your voice, David, my son? David replied, Yes, it is my lord the king. And he added, Why is my lord pursuing his servant? What have I done and what wrong am I guilty of? Now let my lord the king listen to his servant's words. If the Lord has incited you against me, then may he accept an offering. If, however, people have done it, may they be cursed before the Lord. They have driven me today from my share in the Lord's inheritance and have said, Go, serve other gods. Now do not let my blood fall on to the ground far from the presence of the Lord. The king of Israel has come out to look for a flea as one hurts a partridge in the mountains. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son, because you considered my life precious today. I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have been terribly wrong. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards everyone for their righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord gave you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I value your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, David, my son. You will do great things and surely triumph. So David went on his way and Saul returned home. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word and to his name be glory and praise forever. Amen. So let's look at the main characters here. Saul didn't trust God. He had no self-control. He was threatened by David. David was forgiving and controlled. And then there was Abishai, who was rash, loyal and brave, willing to go with David no matter what. And how do you think David is feeling at this point? We see him rejected in the wilderness and he decides to invade Saul's camp. Now, what was his plan? There is 3,000 men waiting for him in Saul's camp. Was he going in there to kill Saul or to talk to him? Or was he just going to check on the opposition strength? Probably he just wanted to see what he was up against. But he took a big risk to do so. But whatever the reason, as he walked through the camp, everyone is asleep. He sees Saul's spear. The temptation to kill the king must have been tremendous. And Abishai, who's got his back, says, Do it, kill him, or I'll do it for you. Then you will be free from exile. Get the revenge and get out of the wilderness. 
take things in your own hands and be free. Yet David resists the desire to take things in his own hands. He puts God first. David refers to Saul as God's anointed. Now in those days, what did that mean? Kings in Israel were anointed with oil as a sign of being chosen and empowered by God. David's actions are a sign of respecting the office, even perhaps when the person in the role is not deserving of the respect. David believed that since God had chosen Saul, God would have to be the one to remove him from the office. David is trusting God to sort it out. When we face temptation to sin, how can our attitude to God's will help? It's the, the kind of old cliche now, what would Jesus do? Actually, that is the key. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? This is the key to knowing God's will for our lives. How God's will directs our lives and gives us self-control. Because how often do we take things in our own hands and try and succeed in our own strength? And we end up making a total mess of it all. Both Abishai and David say that their actions are God's will. How often have we seen that? I believe God is saying this. Well, I believe that God's saying that. Before we face temptation, before we get in the trouble, we need to know God's will. Because often in the midst of temptation, our sense of God's will gets cloudy. So we need to know it before we get there. So what is good for you today? Well, according to the World Wide Web, Siberian ginseng and Yemeni honey are really good for you. So is massage therapy, owning a dog and aromatherapy. My favourite throughout all of these is some of the old creams and salves and liniments that were used a century ago. Here was one, Brahms Pain Knocker. And the ingredients, 1.5% tincture of opium, 1.5% chloroform, and a whopping 88% alcohol content. Wow, that is a cure for what ails you. But what does ail us? What ails the world? Well, the problem is we don't know how to live in our own strength. But the solution is knowing that God is with us and knowing God's will. What is God's will for you and your life? Well, what does the Bible say? It's to become more like Jesus. To get to know Jesus better. And so we need to walk with him every day. We need to pray. We need to read his word. And we need to be open to the prompting of the Spirit. To go back to David and Saul. Notice that God helps David with the deep sleep on the soldiers. God is in it with us. He is on our side and he will not leave us alone. So from a safe distance, David calls out to Abner after stealing the spear. How did his words make Saul feel? He constantly calls Saul king. He shows him respect. He is not trying to take over. And you can see it in Saul's response. Now Saul isn't daft. He knows David could have killed him. And he is paying him and his office respect. And so he responds with an apology and a blessing. And they're at peace. At least for a short while. David chose the higher way. And we need to do the same every time. That is self-control. Saul's desire for forgiveness seems to be sin sincere. And it probably was at the time. But if you read on to the beginning of chapter 27, David knows full well that Saul had repented before and would probably do it again 
the way he did in the past, and he would try and kill him again. And I guess to a lesser degree, we're the same. Each day we have a choice. Will we be like David and exercise control and trust God? Or will we be like Saul, repent, but then never truly change? Saul actually had opportunities to kill David many times, but never did. Why? Because every time David and Saul met, David would do something generous for Saul. Saul never wanted to appear cruel before his men. He couldn't be seen to be petty. David was also very popular in Israel. He had a big, kill he had a big following, and if killing him would help him, it would be a risk to his own kingship. Also, God had appointed and anointed David to become king, and he was protecting him. David, although he made mistakes with Saul, showed amazing self-control. Even when we disappoint God, he never gives up on us. In our commitment to maintaining self-control, as we follow God's will, it will make a difference to others, both Christians and non-Christians alike, because they watch. They will see how you react in stressful situations. As you put others first, they will see you do it. As you don't pick the selfish route of satisfaction, it will inspire others to walk with Jesus. And as you walk with him and sometimes stumble, as I do too, as we walk with him, others will want to walk with him too. So how about some practicals? Well, flee temptation. If you know you're going to get in trouble in a certain place or a certain time of day, go and do something else. Beat it. Clear off out. Or how about you confide in a friend that you trust and ask them to hold you accountable in problem areas. Or maybe you write a letter to God about the area you're struggling with where you need self-control. Be open, be honest and lay it before him and commit to letting him develop self-control in you. And as you run away or confide or hide or write these things down and sometimes you have to do all three, pray over them and it will gain you control. And it will be seen in all areas of your life as you let God's Spirit work in you. On a story I've heard from one of William Barclay's friends. He tells the story. In the church where he worshipped, there was a lonely old man, old Thomas. He had lived all his friends and he hardly knew anyone anymore. And when Thomas died, this friend had the feeling that there would be no one to go to the funeral. So he decided to go so that there might be at least someone to follow the old man to his last resting place. Now there was no one else there. It was a miserable wet day. The funeral reached the cemetery and at the gate there was a soldier waiting. An officer, but on his raincoat there was no rank badges. He came to the graveside for the ceremony. Then when it was over, he stepped forward and before the open grave, swept his hand to salute that might have been given to a king. The friend walked away with this soldier, and as they walked, the wind blew the soldier's raincoat open to reveal the shoulder badges of a brigadier general. The general said, You will perhaps be wondering what I am doing here. Well, years ago, Thomas was my Sunday school teacher. I was a wild lad and a sore trial to him. He never knew what he did for me, but I owe him everything. Everything I am or will be, I owe it to old Thomas. And today I had to come to salute him at the end. Thomas did not know what he had been doing, but he faithfully did it. So keep sowing the seed, 
we can leave the rest to God. That is the good news for us all. We are like tenant farmers. Let him take control. And as we let him take control, it grows our self-control. We don't do it. We can't do it on our own. We need Holy Spirit to cultivate and grow the fruit of self-control in us. So may you step out in faith. May you exercise your faith in him. When temptation comes, may you flee. When temptation comes, may you call upon trusted friends to help you. And perhaps, just maybe, you write down a letter to express to God your problems and where you need help. May you know his deep, deep peace each and every day as he leads you. And may you know his will in all situations so that you may choose the higher one. Let us pray. Father God, as we seek you and your will, Lord, may you grow the fruit of the Spirit in us. And especially we think of the challenge of self-control. May we flee from temptation. May we ask our friends, our trusted mentors to hold us accountable. Lord, may we consider deeply your heart and your will for us. And may we follow you all the days of our lives. Inspire us, Father. Fill us with your spirit. And as we grow the fruit of the spirit, as we walk closer with you, as we know Jesus day by day, Lord, we pray that we choose the higher way. We do not choose the way of selfish gratification, but we choose the way of self-control and your will to be done in our lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray.